Well, welcome to church. Come on, give me an amen. Let me know you're out there. Um, can I just say, I just want to give a huge shout out to the venue youth team. Um, you guys need to love this youth team and bless them and take them out for coffee. Uh, I came in here, they had a revival night on Thursday, and I came when revival night was over, and there was like kids everywhere. We have such a, a great, huge, amazing youth group. But then I come in here, the service is over, and they're literally watching um, like worship videos, and people are, kids are like here overtime getting prayed for. That's not normal. Like that's not like a normal thing where like kids are like, hey, you guys go hang out in there and destroy the church. I'm just going to get a little more prayer. So that's not normal. And I just want to say a huge shout out to the venue uh, youth team. We love you guys. Every time that my kids come back, they're more connected with Jesus. And thank you very much. Um, I just want to remind you it's first Wednesday at seven o'clock here at the church. It's a night of worship and praise and prayer. And if you've ever been to one, you come up to all the other ones as well. And so it's just um, kind of behind the scenes. And, and I'm going to be preaching about Gideon how God had to pare his army down. It was too big. So he, he kept all the people who knew how to drink water properly. And uh, got to stay hydrated, guys. So it's going to be a, a fun uh, little teaching moment for us, but you're also going to love it. Hey, we're in our uh, final chapter of Daughters of God, a series. We're just taking a time out to be like, hey, God loves women. God loves his girls. And we're going to talk about it. So Sean's got daughters. I have daughters. And uh, we are just, um, today's uh, sermon is actually, it's actually called Don't Speak. Um, and then I put in brackets, at church. Like, Don't speak, I know what you're saying. And a reason, don't tell me cause it hurts. If you're under 30, you have no idea what I'm singing and that makes my heart sad. I forgive you, thanks Sean. Um, we're going to be talking today about women and their roles in church. Come on. It's going to be uh, awesome. Now, you may have zero baggage where this is concerned, um, but some people come in and uh, what they learned in church wasn't necessarily accurate uh, to the Bible and, and what God wants his daughters to do. And so, um, so um, I was talking to, uh, to Candace. Um, we were here last night. There's a team of like 60 people that come and set up for you to come and do church. And we set it up last night and then the worship happens and a bunch of team meetings happen. And that's like a great, uh, you know, uh, behind the scenes at the church as well of the dream teamers. Now dream teamers have learned that we don't come to church for us anymore. We come to church to serve you. And that's really where the magic is. It's funny. It's funny. Um, when you're a spectator, you come to church looking for God to meet your needs. When we're dream teamers, we come to church to serve you and God meets our needs. And sometimes he meets needs that we didn't even know that we have, but we come out, we're like, oh. Um, so that's really where the magic is here. And, and I might explain that at the end. Now, now Candace is on the dream team and, and uh, she was singing on stage. And I, I was asking everybody like, so, so like women in church and like church circles and women being allowed to do stuff or not do stuff or to preach or not to, you know, I'll get into that in a minute. But I'm like, did anybody come from like kind of a weird church culture where they weren't allowed to? And she's like, oh, that was my church growing up. Um, so, um, and I was saying, so what, what do they teach? And she said, well, women aren't allowed to like lead because they're too emotional. And I thought, so, so let's get a bunch of emotionally unconnected men who aren't emotional about Jesus and let's have them lead everybody. Um, anyways, I'm going to have great, I'm going to have so much fun because I didn't come from a church culture where women weren't allowed to do stuff. And so, um, my mom 
was always on stage and would preach sometimes and prophesy and pray. So I don't really have much baggage there, but you coming in, um, somebody here uh, does, but here's what I want to say. Um, you know, Candace, the trouble is like she's allowed to sing on stage and speak from stage here, but if she doesn't actually engage in the church with her gift, the sum total to the, the end result of getting people saved and discipled and following Jesus and getting your community to heaven, the sum total is the same. The net result is still zero. If she doesn't, God can give her a gift and she can be granted permission to stand on the stage. But if she doesn't use her gift, the end result is still zero. And there's a lot of, of, of people that come to church that they're not actually using their gift. You're spectating still, Sunday mornings. We're still spectating and getting to know God a little bit. But here's what I want to say. The sum total of your life is to make a difference. And so um, I can grant you all the permission in the world, but what you're gonna find that this sermon is gonna challenge you to like, hey, get on the field, we need you. Your neighbors need you to start using that gift. Now, you're here to, find, to know God, that's the first step. You're here to know God, that's Sunday mornings, that's what we do here, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and to make a difference. Now, girls, we've kind of been talking about, we've been taking some of the barriers away of, of settling your worth, I think, and talking about insecurity and talking about the father wound and, and God healing you up last week. Um, but now we're going to talk about discovering your purpose and making a difference. And if you don't know what you're allowed to do, then that's kind of hard to do, right? It's like, God, well, please tell me to, but I'm not sure what's on the menu here. And so uh, we're going to get into it. Have you ever been at a church where somebody has like taken on this issue before of like what women are allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do? Are you going to love it? Okay. My pastor, Peter Haas wrote, wrote this, um, in his thoughts about women in leadership, particularly he said, most scholars agree that Christ was not leading a women's liberation movement, a women's liberation movement from this sense of like, we don't need men anymore. Like there's bad men out there. So we're just going to treat all men the same and throw them all out. Um, I don't think that throwing out the baby with the bathwater is a good idea. Um, because that's not going to help deal with all the bad men either, you know. So, but um, Christ was not here leading a women's liberation movement. However, when you consider how de degraded women were during the times of Christ, the role he allowed women to play in his movement was definitely a significant step forward when you consider how terribly women were treated in those days. In fact, here's what a few famous thinkers said about women. Socrates, the great, in, in, in quotations, the great Greek thinker said, to be a woman is a divine punishment since a woman is half man, half animal. And all the ladies said, amen. Whoa. That's a lot. You didn't know, did you? You know, this is the, the, the culture that Jesus comes into and radically shifts this whole idea of being a half man, half animal. <laughs> we know that men are more like half men, half animals. But, you know, I mean, that's what was like a typical, you know, thing. Uh, the great Aristotle, this is what he was uh, teaching. The courage of a man was shown in commanding a woman. If you had my mom, that would take a great deal of courage. And dad would make you dig a six foot hole in the backyard and save him the time. Now, um, so the fact he goes on to say that the Bible even lists women as Christ followers was somewhat scandalous in certain parts of Greek, Greek culture. After all, in most places, women were forbidden to do anything with men. It was totally a segregated state. So when Jesus allowed women disciples to travel with him and learn from him, this was a rather stunning gesture. And so, um, listen, everywhere the church of God goes, lives for women and children get better. Every society that has adopted Christianity, it gets better. Um, but we're going to start in this place where Paul is talking to the uh, Corinthian church. Now, if you're not well read in the Bible, when, when you read the book of Corinthians... Um, the Corinthian church was what we call a, um, in church culture, like a dumpster fire. 
So like if they could figure out a, a way to screw up church, they figured it out. And so Paul, I'm going to lay this foundation for my whole sermon today is, is this. He says, God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. Because the problematic women scriptures are in this chapter. So he's like, we just need to lay the foundation. God, your father, is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. So, so we're saying, like, there will be order, and it will be God's order because it's God's house. And so that is our foundation of, like, this is where we're, we're, we're starting from. And so, um, so let me just get into this. Equal in worth does not mean equal in role. Unless you're okay with anybody flying your next airplane. Like, I'm bored, I'm watching movies on a plane, I've already seen the movie, I'm gonna fly, I'm bored. Like, Dow, out of, the, out of your seat, I'm gonna fly. Don't oppress me. I want the same opportunity as you have to fly the plane. Um, but what we have to do, because we've been dealing with this in the sermon already, is, is we have to separate worth from function. And so we're talking today about function. Uh, everybody in the family of God, look, Jesus died for you, you're worth a lot. But he died for you and your brother and your sister and everybody that you know. People are worth, you are inherently worth a lot because Jesus died for you. We're going to put that over here now. Now we're going to talk about function and how God wants to order uh, his house. And I know that you're super worried, but just relax. Okay. Um, so here's where we're at right now in society. It's this whole thing of like, I should be allowed to do everything that you're allowed to do. Yeah, well, what if you're not good at it? And what if you don't put the time in and, you know. When we were pregnant with kids, now it's all like we are pregnant. You know, we are expecting. More accurately, it was Pastor Aaron. <laughs> now, when we're like birthing children, and by we, I mean her, it's weird for me to, because she'd be like, hey, can you rub my back? And I'm like, okay, but now we're in this weird day where it's like, you know what, Aaron? Because I'm so sensitive and in touch, why don't you just let me birth this baby for you? I want to be a part of this. And I want the connection that only moms have with their children. I want to birth this baby. Let me do it. And if you won't do it, like, you do. that's sexist. Is this, is this working for anybody here? Okay, listen, listen. Men, you can push all you want, and you'll push out something, but it won't be a beautiful baby. Right? And my wife would be like, go sit down and read soccer magazines and quit being an idiot. This is my job. This is my job. Right, and so here's what I think in church culture in the past, I think we've been pushing out a lot of things, but I don't know if it's been beautiful babies that God wants to push out, right? So we're gonna just kind of correct church culture down at the bottom and just let you know kind of where you stand, um, where all of us stand. So 68% um, of Christ followers are female. That's a huge part of God's army. Now, if I was the devil, and I'm definitely not, <laughs> local pastor claims to be Satan. No, if I was the devil, I would, the, I would try to do two things. The first thing I would try to do is I would try to get the church to be weird about this and keep women off of the battlefield. Because if I can keep two-thirds, over two-thirds of the army off the battlefield, I'll take Airdrie and I'll keep it. So if I can do that, then great. I'll get the church to be all weird about it and we'll keep, we'll keep the soldiers out. Listen, if you took 68% of what a local church does in the world, the local church out then abuse rises and war rises and famine rises and all the things by, you know, at least 68%. Am I right? You know, are we tracking? Okay. So if I was the devil, I would do that. And if I couldn't do that, what I would try to do is I would try to get the women to wait for the men to do something. I would try to get you women to like, wait for the guys to step up and do what we should do. But here's the deal. How do you create justice? If you're waiting for somebody to hand you justice? How do, you, how do you deal with poverty if you're waiting for somebody to do it for you? 
right? And so we're just going to kind of go in at this here. I, I, you can't land on either side of that where the church gets weird and doesn't allow women to do anything. And where women are just waiting for the men to do something. I say this all the time, like getting women to church is easy. You guys would do church in a parking lot. Like you're more spiritual than we are. So, but don't wait for your husband to follow Jesus. You follow Jesus. A lady told me like one of the venue guys, like my husband doesn't want to give his 10% to God. And I'm like, so you go get a job and give your 10%. And then why don't you give some for him too? Cause he's stealing from God and that's not good. And maybe God would bless that audacious faith. Why are you waiting for him to do the right thing? And, and this person actually went and got a job. And then her husband comes now and does what the right thing because she sowed a seed of faith and didn't wait for him to do the right thing for her to do the right thing. I like this sermon. This sermon's great. Pastor Corey's right. Okay. So are you ready to start with the scripture that you're worried about, girls? I'm going to have way too much. I told my team I'm going to be like, I was planning a ridiculous sermon, but it's going to be like... I used to fire my mom up every now and again because my mom was always on stage. Did I tell the services? And I would say like, my mom, I didn't, we came from a charismatic background, so we didn't have issues with like women in leadership and stuff. So this is kind of weird to, for me, but so every now and again, just to fire her up, I'd be like, I don't know, mom, should we really let you on stage? <laughs> She'd be like, what? So I, anyways, <laughs> that's the home that I grew up in. That, anyways, that takes a great deal of courage, like Aristotle said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready? Here's the problem. Oh, the tension is building deliciously. First Corinthians 14. Okay, so we're starting in the foundation. Hey, let the house of God be orderly because God likes it that way. Everything must be done decently and in order. Then, then uh, Paul says, women should be silent during church meetings. Oh, oh, hey, easy now. Easy. I'll explain why this is because women are definitely getting shushed here, but just give me a sec. If it's not proper for them to speak, they should be submissive, just as the law says. If they have any questions, they should ask their husbands at home, for it is improper for men, women to speak in church meetings. And so, just give me a sec, because it's not, when you read it like that, it's not saying what you think that it's saying, because you come from a culture that would read it a certain way, but this is not the culture that this is written into. So, but, um, look, I've done some stupid things in church culture. So many stupid things. But the funniest thing I've ever heard a man do in church culture... Are you ready? You want a story? And it wasn't me. Um, there's two couples that come to venue now that before venue was here, they went to a different church and they're great friends with each other. They're still in the same small group. They love each other and they're hilarious, but they're in their forties. And so they're very sarcastic, right? That's our spiritual gift, by the way. And if you're not sarcastic and you think it's repressed anger, it's probably not the right church for you. So, so they're sitting beside each other in the service and she, the, the one lady, she didn't grow up in church. So she's reading this scripture for like the first time maybe. And she's like, women should keep quiet in church. And she says to the husband of the other couple, what does this mean? And he goes, he goes, he looks at the scripture and goes, Shh. and then, and then the pastor starts the service and he stands up and looks forward the whole service. And her husband, I was talking to him this morning. He's like, I have never seen her that mad. She glared. He's like, I didn't make eye contact with her the whole time. I'm just like, yeah, preach it. Pastor. Like, like do <laughs> cause it's funny. Well, you know what? None of us like being shushed. None of us like being shushed. But um, we're going to see in this passage of scripture, it's a dumpster fire, this church, and there's reasons for the shushing. And um, let me just, let me get into that. Uh, but here, so for some friends of mine um, in ARC, which is our organization, um, planted a church in Calgary just before we did. And it's Connect Church. You might know of them. Uh, they're great friends of ours. Pastors Dan and Amber Sueza. And we love them. But she came from a very restrictive Baptist background. 
um, that she said that she, I spent an hour on the phone with her. I'm like, tell me about this. Cause she's like, this might not have been your experience, but it was the experience of some people that you're going to be preaching to. And she said, from the time I was three, I was told that women were not allowed to do a whole lot of things in the church that she goes, I now function in and do because she like co-leads with her husband, uh, pastor Dan. She said, when I came to Canada, I was only planning on leading worship because we didn't come from a tradition. We were singing that song about tradition and religion. Well, yeah, when it's man-made and man-controlled, then we have a problem. And so, so she's like, this is the tradition. I was taught was that girls weren't allowed to do a whole lot of things. She led, she led worship one time, and she made the mistake of being tired and sitting on one of the church thrones. We don't have those here, but if you watch, like, old TV preachers and stuff, sometimes they have these big chairs. I'm like, Pastor Ann, I told her, I'm like, we don't even have a single throne on the stage. That would be amazing. But she made the mistake of sitting in one of these thrones, and then somebody gave, tore a strip off of her because those thrones are for men. You know? Um, and so she came and she was just going to like lead worship, but she found herself co-leading with pastor Dan and being anointed to do so and having to execute and like be the executive and do all the things. And she said, she said, and this is her story. She said, the overseer of our church who was so important from this area that brought us in from that denomination, brought us in, funded us, blessed us. They were the ones who were like, we need you here. He said, he tried to call down one day and I tried to like say to, to have his guy like, so what do you want to talk about? And she said, he wouldn't even talk to me about it. Finally, they get a hold of pastor Dan. And this is what they said. This is like, we're demanding that you take the word pastor out of in front of Amber on all of your, all of your media platforms, all of your Facebook posts, like go back and remove the word pastor because women are not allowed to pastor people. Women are not allowed to pastor people, particularly men. And so she's like, the role that I'm functioning in now, and then they're like, well, look, we, we don't think that we can do that because we don't know that that's what God wants us to do. And, uh, and I've been functioning in this role. I'm obviously called, and heaven is like blessing the church. So, and biblically, we think that you're just taking something out of context. And so this, they sent a nasty letter and said, then we cut you off, done, like you're dead to us. It's funny now that I think that Connect Church is doing better than all, all of everybody who took that stand because God is blessing, because God blesses what God wants to bless. And so, um, can I tell you another story? Like a friend of mine who was on the oversight committee of this church when we started, great friend of mine brought us into that whole organization before ARC, because it was a different organization. My dad's organization brought us in, Pastor Aaron and I took time for us, this couple. He took a church over from a spiritual father who had a conviction he felt from God that women shouldn't lead and women shouldn't speak from stage and speak to men. That was old Pentecostals. So that was, that was kind of that tradition that he inherited, but he felt in his heart that that was what God wanted. So when, when this, his spiritual son took the church over, he didn't really deal with that issue because the other problem that he had was that his wife was anointed by God to preach and to prophesy and to pray in public and do all the things and to lead people. And so he was kind of torn. And during COVID, I talked to him a couple of months ago, this friend of mine, and they're like broken up right now because his elders, these old Pentecostal guys gave him an ultimatum in the summer that was like, Hey, you got to remove like women from these positions or we're like bury it. You know, you know what I mean? Well, first of all, if you ever try something like that with me, everybody, y'all can do it if you're going to do it. Like, but listen, if God wants us to do something, I don't care what you think. You can get a bunch of you all together and like, but this is God's house. And if God decides he's going to do something, then we're just going to like make that happen. And you go. And so, so, and they're in a hugely broken place right now 
because he never stood up and, and I was bothered by this. I was angry about it for like a week after. I'm like, you knew what the right thing to do was and you just didn't stand up for it. You know that she was called by God. You know it. Man, like you gotta lead people. You gotta. And um, I'm still mad about it. So there's this whole thing going on that was like, okay, so women, so what are women allowed to do? Are you enjoying this? This is like, oh my goodness, you didn't know church people were crazy. Well, we are. Um, so there's this whole thing. So what are women allowed to do? Like biblical. Well, so they would interpret it like, okay, so women are allowed to like, you're allowed to raise your kids and shush them. And you're allowed to teach Sunday school and you're allowed to teach other women in women's conferences and stuff. Um, but I don't know what the magic age was when a, when a, teenage boy turns 18 and they become all-knowing or something. It just makes my brain, it just doesn't work in there. It's like, so when I, when I turn 18 or 20 or 16 or who, I don't know who decides that number. They, uh, I either become more wise than they are or more anointed than they are to lead or God restricts them from leading me because he won't anoint them or won't give them revelation or they don't know enough to teach me. So that's like saying that Pastor Aaron could stand on this stage and every man in the room would have nothing to learn from her. Right? Because we are all, all knowing and all wise. Even the guys are like, I feel like I should stay quiet because I want to laugh right now. But is this a trap? I don't know. I don't have the, in I don't have the intelligence to know if this is a trap. <laughs> you know? It's this idea of my mom's not allowed to teach me anything. Because I'm no longer what? Because now I'm a man. I'm an adult. I'm a, um, this whole idea of women are not allowed to be over men in that sense when we're not thinking about this right. The only authority that you have to exercise in somebody's life is the authority that you are under. But they got all worked up about like, well, who's allowed to be over a group of men or over um, this whole idea? So, so if that's a place, according to their convictions which I, I would say are, are wrong and not, not scriptural, not godly, according to their, um, their thinking, you know, half of our team leads are women. So I think, I think just to correct it according to what these old Pentecostals want or old Baptists or whatever, um, and there's so many good things, but we got to be careful that Venue Church, this not, does not become a church of traditions, that this becomes a church that still does everything that God t tells us to do on a day-by-day -day basis. Like, we're not going to keep doing something if God wants us to do something else. Like, now, there, we do have convictions about some things, but um, so if, if we built that, if I would affix this, I'd have to put a bunch of puppet men in place over the women who are obviously functioning very well. So I got to put a bunch of guys in there who don't know what they're doing just so the women don't get uppity. <laughs> Part of me wants to just to see what the girls would do. More than half of our small group leaders are women. And they lead men too. And they lead because we feel like God has called them to and God allows them to in scripture. So, so let me go back to this whole thing because we can't escape that, that Paul was shushing the Corinthian women. So why? Why is that happening? First of all, Paul did not write the scriptures. You have to, Paul's not some guy that's like, hey, I'm going to write the scriptures. And then people are going to make a religion out of it. The Holy Spirit, it says, inspired every word written in scripture, the canon of scripture, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit wrote the scriptures. Are we get this? He just needed... Somebody to use a pen, right? So the Holy Spirit actually in function in the Trinity is the mom of the Trinity, the encourager, the nurturer. The, is this working? God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God 
All three equal in worth, but not equal in function and role. The roles are different from each other, right? And so, um, but at the end of the day, God the Father has their final say in everything. So the Holy Spirit is shushing the Corinthian women. But in the same passage of Scripture, he's also shushes, the Holy Spirit shushes people who speak in tongues too much. Now, you're like, what's praying in tongues? You need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I feel like uh, God gives a gift of, of, there's two gifts of tongues. There's a private gift that I pray in, in private. And it's a language that I speak, but it makes no sense. Pastor Richard will teach you all of this. Or Pastor uh, Beth, because she's allowed to teach because she's a woman. <laughs> you're not enjoying this. I'm going to have great fun with this. So this whole prayer language that I pray with God. But then there's like a corporate gift of tongues that needs to get interpreted in front of the church. But what was happening is the dumpster fire church was like a new person will walk in. Imagine inviting your neighbor to church and 200 people are in church, like free for all tongues, like and they're like, Oh, the devil is here. You know, like they're not coming back. And the Holy spirit is like, Hey guys, dad likes his house in order. It's not going to be a dumpster fire and a free-for-all for whatever gift you think you want to use. That's not how it works here. Dad likes an orderly house, and he wants to tell who to speak in a different time. And we're not going to do 200 tongue talkers here because it's freaking people out. He also, the Holy Spirit also says, hey, not too many prophecies. It'd be like 50 people lined up to prophesy because they're like, hey, I got a gift. I need to prophesy. And, Paul, and the Holy Spirit tells Paul, hey, write down like two or three at most in a service. We're talking too much. God is a God of action. God, our father, he, he, oh yeah, listen to two or three things, but that's about as most as you're going to be able to do in a week. You can go and listen to, you can read 50 passages of scripture in the morning, but if you don't do any of them, then what's the point of reading the scripture, right? Like, so like God is a God of action. Like, so do stuff. And so, and it's like, he's laying down groundworks. He's shushing tongue talkers. He's, he's shushing people who speak for God and prophecy. He's shushing them and saying like, Hey, 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 yeah, a little, but not too much. It's not about you and your gift. It's about the body and what the body needs. Then he does definitely shush the women, though. And, and here's why. Here's why. Women were not schooled then. Remember Aristotle? You remember? They were not given education. So they didn't know, like the women here in our society have been to school. You know what to do sitting there. But they didn't. So they'd come into church and 20 of them would be like, hey, I don't get that. What? Do you know what that word means? They didn't know how to read and write. They didn't know how to read and write. They didn't know the words that they would be using. They didn't know the, they didn't know how to function. They didn't know math. So they'd be like, what's two plus two? I, what's a, what's plus? Like they weren't given because that was the culture of the day because the enemy had kept women down. And so they come into church culture and, and what, what the Holy Spirit is saying is like, look, guys, if you're married and that's your wife and she wants to know more, take her home and catch her up as quickly as we can. Because we can't stop the whole church because somebody doesn't know how to read and write. We have work to do. This is an army. But he's like, hey, guys, you hate homework, but I'm giving you a bunch of homework. Take her home and show her how to read. Give her the opportunity she never had. And work all through the night if you have to. But get her up to speed because she's special, she's important, and we need her in the army. So then you're like, oh, that makes sense. They didn't know how. Another scripture says it, it's translated like this. Hey, women should be quiet in the church like everybody else already knows how to do. Like Just like everybody else. Like, hey. Guys, you can't talk and, and listen at the same time. Judge Judy, right there. All right, um, here's, a, here's another one. Um, Paul, in a private letter to Timothy, and, Paul, and Timothy's faith, it should be noted, came from his grandmother and his mother, who taught him, and who probably still teach him. 
And Paul says, like, hey, don't forget about that faith that your grandmother and your mother taught you. So you got to understand this. But then he says to Timothy in another problematic scripture, women should learn quietly and submissively. I do not let uh, women teach men or have authority over them or usurp their authority. Let them listen quietly. Uh, it says, for God made Adam first. Afterward, he made Eve. You're like, what is that? Is God sexist? Okay. So now, so we've already talked about the Corinthian church, which is a dumpster fire of unschooled women yelling stuff during church. Okay. So women weren't allowed to be part of that religion. That's why they didn't know what to do in church. They didn't know what to do in school. They, they just said, no, now we go to Ephesus. Okay. Because Timothy was the pastor of Ephesus. Ephesus was the home of the cult of the goddess Diana. Diana hated men and hunted men. So now this is, they go from like not being allowed in church to being allowed in church, but being the only ones allowed to dominate to. So in this religion, men are completely dominated here. So these women would come into like, and the Holy Spirit is like, Hey, this is not the church of Diana. This is the church of God, your father. And they don't get to come in here and abuse the men here. Like they do over here. Now you don't understand that because that's not our society, but that was their society in Ephesus. Like that's what they're used to. And so they come in and they'd be like, a guy'd be speaking and they'd be like, shut up, man. We're not talking, you know, you're not talking to us. You don't get to do this. You don't get to, and God's like, Hey, I'm allowed to call my sons to teach too. And to prophesy the other church. We're like, Hey, no, God is like, no guys, I I'm going to show you that God calls women too. But here it's like, no, God calls men too, too. You got to understand, like you don't go from one. So he's swinging the pendulum and he's like, Adam was created first because Diana in that religion was taught that women were created and all things come from women and women are ought to be in charge and make all the decisions. And it, then we come into the church of Christ where God is like, no, I want to make the decisions and I want everybody to do what I tell them to do because I know best. Right. Is that, is that helping you? Women should learn quietly and submissively. So should men, but see the men had already been downtrodden. So they were very quiet and submissive because they didn't want to get smacked. Like growing up in my home. No, there's so many things I can say. About listen, listen, my mom didn't smack me. Watch this. He says to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter five and verse 21. And further, he says, this Holy Spirit now, remember, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Hey, you're not on top. You're not on top. God, my father is and his son. This is his bride. This is the son's bride. Submit to each other. I gave things for them, to them for you, and I gave things to you for them. Submit. Play in the sandbox nicely. This isn't your house. This is his house. If we get out of order, and one starts dominating, the other starts dominating, he's like, guys, this works in Christian families too, because there are certain roles that God wants you to play. But this is not so one role can dominate the other role. It's like, no, furthermore, submit to each other as to the Lord. God should be in charge of that home, not you and not you. Like, Shh, shh, kids, shh. Now we're in like kid dominated homes, which is super weird. I want ice cream. Yeah, they always want ice cream. No, no, no. It should be a God dominated home because God knows how to set all the things in place. And then he can be like, then when your husband does something stupid, you can forgive him as Christ forgave you. And when your wife doesn't respect you, you can forgive her as Christ forgave you and you disrespected him. And this is a whole, is this working for you? Now, let me get into, listen. If it's your home or if it's your church, then we don't go where God wants us to go because it's his bus, right? But when it's God's bus, then, then he pays for the hotel with the water slide. And then we stop for ice cream and he pays. 
If you want to do it your way, whatever it looks like, whichever way you would lean towards naturally in your flesh, if you want to do it your way, then you have to pay the ticket. I don't want to pay that ticket because I can't, I can't afford ice cream. Look at my clothes. Now, <laughs> now, here is what the New Testament would say women are allowed to do. Are you guys ready? I love it. Don't tell me what I'm allowed to do. That's not me doing it. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the mom of the Trinity being like, do you want to know, girls, what I want you to do? Okay, so here the New Testament cites the following leadership roles for women in church. Deacons in the church. Yay. Um, there's a house pastor named Chloe, so women are allowed to pastor. Do you want to know, the funny thing about our church is that Pastor Aaron is actually like the church pastor. In the classic sense of pastoring people, being caring for people and stuff like that. I, um, it's not like I don't care for you and love you. I do, but like, I'm like a surgeon. So I'm like, hey, let's cut the cancer out. She's like more pastoral than I am. So she's actually over pastoral ministry because that's her gift. So if I start trying to, now God will anoint me to function there, but she helps me get you in the right seat in the bus and make sure that you're healed and walking properly. And so we need that gift in the church. And so if it was me making all the decisions and all the pastoral decisions, Is there so much I want to say there? Um, so there was a house pastor named Chloe. Um, there was Philip had four probably teenage daughters that prophesied to the church. So we're like, there you go, right from the front, man. Like, prophesy. Tell us what God wants us to do. Um, Priscilla and Aquila planted a church together. And Priscilla's name is, is normally mentioned in front of Aquila. So I think she maybe had the more forward gift, maybe the more stage-oriented gift, right? And so, um, and listen, I would get Aaron on stage more, but she doesn't want to. <laughs> Like every week I try to force her on stage for something, but she won't go. Well, it's just her, she loves being behind the scenes, but it's not because God only wants her behind the scenes. It's because God gifted her behind the scenes. And that's a very, and she, and she won't let me force her on stage very often. She, I get to do it a couple times a year, but here's, is this helping you? Um, now listen, listen, both Priscilla and Aquila were leaders, but both of them also pulled Apollos aside, that great man of God and said, Hey, you don't believe the Bible, right? Both of them did and corrected it. Why? Because God gave revelation to her. And it's like, hey, no, you're, you're not thinking about that right. This is, this is actually what that scripture means. So, so ready, Benny Church, here's where we're at. And here's what you're allowed to do. You can pray publicly. You can prophesy. You can teach. Because prophecy is speaking for God. And I think teaching and preaching, we can just stretch it right there, I think. And so you can worship lead. You can worship team. You can greet at the door. You can stand on stage. You can sit. If we put a chair on here, you can sit there. Unless it looks like a throne and then it's mine. You know, it's like. <laughs> we encourage women in leadership roles, but we don't encourage you to be in leadership roles because you're a woman or because you're white or because you're black or because you're not or because you're. We encourage everybody like, but leadership is voluntary and it's hard. And uh, we want you to do whatever God wants you to do. And we will, I don't care what you look like and like, well, I, I, you know what I mean? Like if God gave you a gift, then we want that in the church. That's, that's the short answer of that. So we, we encourage that, but there's the same expectations for women as well. So if something goes wrong or you're mishandling the word of God, I'm not easier on you than I am on the guys. If we mishandle people, you're a leader, man. We're going to fix it. We're going to fix you because people have to be handled the way that God, our father wants us to handle them decently and in order with the heart of God and everything that we do. Come on, say amen, church. That's, part, that's probably a good thing there. Um, now listen, there's three conditions for women leading in the church. The first one is God has to call them there. You don't get to just because you want to. God has to actually call you and be like, I want you to do that thing. Okay, well, so we'll recognize that call and help you out. The second thing is you, the second condition is you have to meet the conditions. 
there are conditions for every leader at Venue Church. Like, you got to live a godly life, man. you got to give your resources to God. We don't want you stealing and trying to teach people that. You know what I mean? Like, meet the conditions. Live a good life. Be somebody worth following. But that guys or girls, it doesn't matter to us. The third thing is, uh, your ministry has to achieve godly results, empowered, obviously, by heaven. Because if the Holy Spirit's not anointing you, then you're not in the right seat on that bus, and we don't want you there. And I don't care if you're anything. We want somebody there who has the gift that God has called that he will also anoint and bring about uh, holy and heavenly results there. Is that good? All right. The only thing we would say is, is there is one chair, and this is where we would say there's one chair that we think God wants a son to sit in at Venue Church that he doesn't want a daughter to sit in at Venue Church. Now, why, Pastor Corey? That's, I'm like, I don't know. I'm not God, so get to heaven and ask him. I don't know why. But here's, here's, here's what we would say at Venue Church is that Pastor Aaron and I co-lead, but when push comes to shove, the buck stops with one person. The buck stops with one person in your family. The buck stops with one person at a company. The buck stops somewhere, and that buck stops with me. We feel like God wants a son in that chair. Now, think about it less like status, like, well, why can't we? No, no, no. Think about it more like childbirth. Because I can look at Pastor Aaron, I can look at a woman who gives birth to a child and know that you have a special connection with them, but you earned it because you had to birth them. And I'm not jealous of that connection because you paid such a high price for it. Leadership is like birthing babies. It's hard. It is far more responsibility in the body of Christ than status will ever afford. The responsibility is heavy. And when God comes looking, if there's a failure here, he doesn't come looking for you. He doesn't come looking for any, he doesn't come looking for Pastor Aaron. He comes looking for me and says, what did you do? This is on your watch. And I was thinking about that. And I don't think of it like a restriction because Eve saw the, not eating the fruit of the, the knowledge of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She saw it as restrictive. Well, what she should have saw, been grateful about it and been like, I don't have to decide what's right and wrong. How exhausting is that? Trying to decide what's right and wrong? I'm not God. She could have walked past that tree every day and been like, oh, thank God that he decides what's right and wrong and I just have to do what he wants and everything works out, you know? And so think about it like that. It's not restrictive, but I was thinking about how to communicate this with you. I think it's like this. God loves his daughter so much that to drive, to drive that bus, you don't get to look out the window as much. And I think God loves you enough that he just wants, my wife, when we drive, she just wants to look out the window with animals. I don't get to do that because I got to drive and watch the road. There's a cross that you bear the higher that you go in the church. There's a cross that you bear that I think God just wanted to spare his daughters from because he loves you maybe a little bit more. I don't want to say that, but like I got a special place in my heart for my girls and I would protect them from that if I could. And so does that make sense? I think that, that don't feel like it's a restriction. Just don't birth a baby that God doesn't want you to birth because you're not called to do that. So here's what I want to say just in, in ending here. Remember what I said. I've given you now permission, but are you using your gift in the body of Christ or do you only come on Sunday mornings? Men, are you using your gift in the body of Christ? Because I can grant you all the permission in the world to like, hey, we're going we're gonna to do our best as a church to find that gift and to play it out. But if you never come, see the trouble with Candace now, Candace, now that she has permission to sing on stage, the trouble is now she actually has to keep that spot on stage and earn that spot and live a certain way and come to practice and do all the work to serve you. So the gift comes with responsibility. And I want to ask you, are you using your responsibility well in the church or are you still spectating? Because knowing God is just the first stage of your life. And you want to get to the, like, you want to find freedom in small groups and you want to cross the floor to the open sign 
and take your next step in church. And that's what I want to say to you, like permission granted, but you need to discover who God made you to be, discover your purpose and you need to make a difference. And you cannot do that until you step further in and get on the field and get the benefits of that. See, some of us, is, here's what I feel. We have so many new people in church, but we got to be careful that we're not just dating the church because you're going to want the benefits of the family, but it's not family while you're dating it. And if you like it so much, you just got to put a ring on it. <laughs>